Hi, everyone, and welcome. Do you know what time it is? Well, of course, it's Wednesday. It's time for your midweek Bible study. It's Wednesday, October 25th, and I'm Pastor Tim from Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It is my honor and privilege to be with you once again. Thank you for taking time to join us as we study God's Word. Today, we're going to study James chapter 1, the second half of chapter, verses 19 to 27, and we're going to talk about listening and doing. Last week, James spoke of the new birth. Now he explains that this new birth should reveal itself in the way we act. He was also connecting the new birth with its source, God's word. The word that brings us life also guides us in living the life it's brought to us. From the grand scope of God's eternal plan and the unique place of believers in creation, James turns to the painful and practical essentials of living as God's own children. It's gonna be a great journey today. But before we get started, would you join me in an opening word of prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we worship you, we adore you, and thank you for the privilege we have today to come and study your word. And thank you for all that have come to join. Lord, I pray your blessing over them and their families. I pray your blessing over your church family at Word of Hope as well. Lord, teach us from your word today about this very important topic of listening and doing. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and amen. All right, get your Bible or Bible apps out and open to James chapter 1, verse 19, and let's read the passage for today, starting with verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word of God that's been planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. All right, this is going to be awesome today, as always, as we study the Word of God. Let's start with verse 19. It says once again, Understand this, dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That sounds so awesome, doesn't it? It sounds almost too easy to do, but man, is it hard to do. Well, here's our question. In this verse, James begins to describe what obedience looks like. What does he say? There are three points that James makes as he begins this section of scripture. First, the expression, be quick to listen. It's a beautiful way of capturing the idea of active listening. We're not supposed to stop speaking. We're to be ready and willing to listen and with discernment. We're to check what we hear with God's word. If we don't listen both carefully and quickly, we're liable to be led into all kinds of false teaching and mistakes. Quick to listen, and here's the next one, slow to speak, should be taken together like two sides of the same coin. Slowness in speaking means speaking with humility and patience, not with hasty words or nonstop gabbing. Constant talking, it keeps a person from being able to hear. Wisdom is not always having something to say either. It involves listening carefully, considering prayerfully, and speaking quietly. When we talk too much and listen too little, 
We communicate to others that what we think our ideas or that we think our ideas are way more important than theirs. James wisely advises us, hey, we need to reverse that process. We need to put on a mental stopwatch on our conversations and keep track of how much we talk and how much we listen. When people talk to us, do they feel like their viewpoints and ideas have value? We should also be slow to get angry. Anger, it closes our minds to God's truth. It's anger that erupts when our egos are bruised. It's just the kind of anger that rises from too much fast talking and not enough quick listening. When injustice and sin occur, we should become angry because others are being hurt, but we should not become angry when we fail to win an argument or when someone offends us or we feel neglected. Selfish anger never helps anybody. Next up is verse 20. It says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Well, here's the question. Why doesn't anger produce the righteousness God desires? Anger that results in thoughtless, uncontrolled temper and leads to rash, hurtful words. It can never make things right in God's sight or, in other words, produce the righteousness God desires. Our anger toward others doesn't create within us a life that can withstand God's scrutiny. Why not? Because expressed, anger tends to be uncontrollable. Anger is consistent with Jesus' command to love our enemies. Anger takes over God's role as judge. In fact, we can be sure our anger is wrong when it keeps us from living as God wants us to live. Next is verse 21. It reads, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Here James tells us we need to get rid of several things that are harmful in our lives or to our lives and our relationship with the Lord. He also says we should accept something. Can you explain? First, James says we are to get rid of all filth and evil in our lives. According to the Greek, this is a once-for-all action. Why should we do this? Progress in our spiritual lives cannot occur unless we see sin for what it is. So quit justifying it and decide to reject it. James's word picture here has us getting rid of our evil habits and actions, like stripping off dirty clothes. After we get right, then we need to humbly accept the word God has planted in our hearts. God teaches us from the depths of our souls, from the teaching of the Spirit, and by the teaching of Spirit-led people. The soil in which the word is planted, it's got to be hospitable, in other words, in order for it to grow. To make our soil hospitable, we must give up any impurities in our lives. God's word becomes a permanent part of us, guiding us through each day. The implanted word has the power to save your souls. When we absorb the characteristics taught in the word, these are expressed in how we live. Trials and temptations cannot defeat us if we're applying God's truth to our lives. Next, verse 22, it reads, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. This is arguably one of the most recognizable verses in the Bible. What does it say? It says that simple reading, even studying God's word, doesn't profit us unless we do what it says. We listen to God's word, not just to know it, but also to do it. If we're thinking highly of ourselves because we've got this great Bible knowledge, we're just fooling ourselves. Worthwhile knowledge is a prelude to action. God's words can only grow in the soil of obedience. In order for a lesson to make a difference in a person's life, it's got to enter the mind and heart affecting his or her life. 
It's important to hear God's word, but it's more important to obey it. We can measure the effectiveness of our Bible study time by the effect it has on our behavior and attitudes. In other words, do we put into action what we've studied? Next, let's look at verses 23 and 24 together. They say, For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Now, if you look at that verse or read that verse, you might think, well, that's kind of silly. Hear me out, though. Here's the question. In this verse, James compares looking into a mirror with looking into the Word of God. What does he mean? First, it's important to take this in context with the two previous verses. That said, some people take a casual look at God's Word without even letting it affect their lives, like a person who looks really quickly in the mirror and can't see any flaws or any changes. They listen but don't act. The other approach is the intent look, the deep and continued study of God's word that allows a person to see the flaws and change his or her life in line with God's standards. The kind of mirror that God's word provides is unique. It shows us our inner nature in the same way that a regular mirror shows our external features. Both mirrors reflect what's there. When God's word points out something in us that needs correction, we had better listen and we had better act on it. Next up, verse 25, it says, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. In this verse, James explains how believers ought to handle their study of the Word of God. What does he say? I believe it says that people who look carefully or steadily with serious intention to the Word of God make God's law their chosen lifestyle. They study with focused attention not only once, but continuously. As a result, they remember God's words and they do what it says. The law is perfect and it can't be improved. The law that sets you free, it's because it's only in obeying God's law that true freedom can be found. As Christians, we're saved by God's grace and salvation frees us from sin's control. As believers, we're free to live as God created us to live. Of course, this doesn't mean that we're free to do as we please. We are now free to obey God. And then James says, God will bless you for doing it. Well, what is the it? He says, God will bless you. You who look steadily at God's word, do what it says. Don't forget what you've heard and obey it. Verse 26 is next. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Here, James gets specific about what it means to obey the word of God. What does he say? God's perfect law should be put into practice in our speech. Knowing how to speak well, as a great teacher would, is not nearly as important as having control of your speech. Knowing what to say and where and when to say it is really critical. As the verse says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. The way that others will know whether or not our faith is real is by what we choose to talk about and the way we speak. James will discuss this more in chapter 3. You're deceiving yourself to have religious practices that don't lead to an ethical lifestyle. Even our outward religious practices are worthless without obedience, and we can't be obedient if we can't control our mouths. James doesn't specify how the tongue offends, but we can imagine a series of ways that it could. You know, things like gossip, angry outbursts, harsh criticism, complaining, judging, and things like that. Our verbal actions, they speak louder than our religious rituals. 
Pretending to be religious and convincing ourselves that we are not only is deceptive to others, it's also a deadly self-deception. Conversion is meaningless unless it leads to a changed life. A changed life goes nowhere unless it serves others. And now our last verse for today, verse 27. It says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. In this verse, James writes that there's a form of religious expression that is still pure and genuine before God. What is it? James explains religion in terms of practical service and personal purity. Rituals done with reverence are not wrong, but if a person still refuses to obey God in his daily life, his religion is not accepted by God. Pure and genuine religion is not perfect observance of rules and observances. Instead, it's a spirit that pervades our hearts and our lives. Like Jesus, James explains religion in terms of a vital inner faith that acts itself out on a daily basis. Our conduct must be in keeping with our faith. Now, orphans and widows are often mentioned in the concerns of the early church because they were the most obviously poor in first century Israel. The widows were very much on the outskirts of society because they had no access to inheritances in Jewish circles. That's why the Apostle Paul had to develop an entire system concerning widows in his own churches. The widows could not get jobs, and their inheritances went to their older sons. It was expected that the widows would be taken care of by their families, and so the Jews left them very little economic support. Unless a family member was willing to care for them, they were reduced to begging or selling themselves as slaves or starving. By caring for these powerless people, the church put God's word into practice. When we give with no hope of receiving in return, we show what it means to serve others. Even today, the presence of widows and orphans in our communities and cities makes this directive of James very contemporary. To this group, we can also add those who have become, in effect, widows and orphans through the death of families and divorce. These people have complicated lives. The needs always threaten to overwhelm our human resources. Looking after hurting people, yes, it's stressful work, yet we are called to be involved. In addition, those with pure and lasting religion will refuse to let the world corrupt them. To keep ourselves from being corrupted by the world, we need to commit ourselves to Christ's ethical and moral system, not the world's. We're not to adapt to the world's value system based on money, power, and pleasure. True faith means nothing if we're contaminated with those values. Well, folks, this was a short study today, but we have come to the end of chapter one of James. Listening and doing. Phenomenal teaching. I would encourage you to go back and reread. I just love these opportunities that God is giving us to be able to study, especially here in this book of James. Next time, we're going to study James chapter two, verses one to 13. And we're going to find out what the phrase, do not favor the rich, means. Thanks again for taking time to join us today. Hope you have a great rest of your day and week. We'll see you right back here next time. Until then, God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.